0: So it's the time for us to sit in meditation now. And uh, Tanajan was just explaining that he's in Ubon Ratchatani province at the moment, uh, which is the, the province that Wat Nambapong, uh, Lumpur Cha's monastery, uh, is in. And there's a meeting that's going on um, where the members of the Nombapong committee have gathered together. But it's a bit different this year than normal, um, as it's just the committee members from the branch monasteries that have gathered, which is about 40 monks from 40 different monasteries. But on a normal year, it would be um, over 700 monks that gather together. But as we're all aware, um, with the present situation um, and covid 19 still being present uh there's a difference this year and so there are new uh, regulations that have been set up and it's just the committee members that have gathered together but it's also a good opportunity to uh, test whether uh, it works giving a dharma talk from ubon province um and that being uh send over broadcast to Wadmapjan here and then to overseas as well. So all of us should be intense in this practice of developing samadhi because samadhi or the well-grounded collected mind is very important. It's a source of energy and strength for us. And it's something that we are able to practice now and we should use this opportunity to do so. Another one of these palas, the strengths, the spiritual strength is uh, sata or faith. And it's uh, it gives us the the motivation and the energy to build goodness, to be devoted to building up goodness, to creating merit, to um, sacrificing and helping out our societies. And especially so during these times when uh, many people are going through difficulty and lack, um, if we have that faith, then we can sacrifice in order to help them out and help relieve their suffering. And there's also having faith in um, giving and making offerings to the Buddha Sasana. If we talk about faith on a higher level than this, we get to the collectedness of body and speech, and this is sila or morality. So you can take up the five precepts or the eight precepts, and most of us would be taking these on on a regular basis. And it's um, vital that we do this because it provides the foundation for our meditation practice, for samadhi and wisdom to be able to arise. And then when these are present, we'll be able to develop our minds to the point where they can become pure and reach freedom. And this is what we refer to as wisdom in Buddhism, in the Buddha's dispensation. It's that which allows us to free ourselves from suffering. So most of us have developed a certain kind of worldly wisdom, knowledge, and uh, we've gone to study in order to be able to to live our lives and um, keep ourselves going in this world. But this kind of panya or wisdom, it's simply not able to be able to uh, bring our minds to peace and calm. But when we have wisdom that comes from the Buddha's teachings, then we'll be able to put down the sense of self. And so one aspect of doing this is through our creation of merit and of giving. And this allows the mind to experience purity to one level. So this is the, and and then from that there's the wisdom that comes from keeping morality and being someone of integrity. And that is uh, important as it provides the basis for wisdom and for freedom. So this restraint of our body and speech, if we compare it to a fruit, it's like having this kind of very good and good taste and firmness to the fruit. And then on from this training in sila is the cultivation of um, samadhi, collecting our minds in and stabilizing them. And it's something that can be difficult to develop. But we need to bring up the energy and the effort to engage in this practice and do it consistently until it's develops into a habit of our hearts and it becomes a place that our minds can abide and take rest in. Just like the houses that we have um, externally, our physical houses, they're able to provide shelter for our bodies. If there's a lot of heat or if the weather's very cold, um, we can use our houses to protect ourselves from that, to alleviate any suffering that our bodies may experience from being exposed to the elements. And so we can go into our house and uh, rest there and feel very at ease. But it's most important that we build a home for our hearts. And this home is done... The building of this is done through our meditation practice and through the cultivation of calm and collectedness of the mind. It's natural that as we develop this practice that some days we'll be able to do it and some days we won't. But we just see that that's something that's normal and we don't worry about it, we don't worry whether our minds are going to be able to reach peace and calm every day. We just know that when samadhi is present, that it's there. When there's joy and happiness arising from the practice, we know that it's there. And when our minds aren't in a state of peace, then we know that as well. But If we carry on with this practice, this inner cultivation, and we do it without stop, then one day we will have to receive the fruits of that and experience peace of heart. We'll know what the mind that is full of joy and happiness is like. And we'll see that manifest in our own hearts. And this all comes from samadhi or the mind that is well-grounded and collected. From this stability, uh, wisdom is then able to manifest. So for those who are able to um, gather their minds into a firm and calm state, they'll feel the coolness and the peace of mind that comes from that. Some people really try to to carry on their meditation throughout the day. They recite buddha in their mind constantly, but still there may not be much peace there. So what we need to do then is to also use contemplation and investigation in our practice. And a good object of this investigation are these physical bodies of ours that are composed of the four material properties or elements of earth, water, fire and air. And we can pick out just one of these um, that suits us and investigate into that. Or we can take just one part of this body, so say the hair or the teeth, the nails, the skin. We can do that, we can look into the elements, we can try and perceive the body as being unattractive. And all of these are methods and skillful means uh, to allow our minds to settle down, to calm them from the frantic state that they're normally in. So it's not the case that we just recite Buddha all the time. We can also look at the breath and take that as our meditation object, the breath coming in the body and leaving the body. And as we do this, the mind should feel at ease and feel a sense of contentment from that. Once it has that inner ease, uh, we take that state of mind and investigate into the body, seeing that it's not sure that it's unstable seeing that it's a source of pain and difficulty for us and it doesn't last, that it's constantly trying to break down. It's just a heap of elements that have collected together and when they separate out, we'll see clearly that there's no self there. The seeing into not-self, into anatta, is the arising of wisdom and the Perceiving into the true nature of sankharas or conditioned phenomena. Seeing them in line with the truth. And our views won't be opposed to the truth. So the Dhamma that the Buddha taught, really what he was pointing to is a truth that is always here, that always exists. This truth that of not-self. So we have to try and realize that within our own hearts to see that the self is really not self. It's difficult, however, because from the very day that we were born, we've taken everything in terms of ego, and we haven't been able to see anything as not self. All the things that we experience, we take it as a me and a mine. These 10 years, 20 years, 30 years that we've been alive, or maybe longer than that, all of the things that we've experienced, all of the sense impressions that have um, come into our minds, any of the happiness, the suffering or dejection that we've experienced, we take that all in terms of self. Some people have experienced uh, difficulties in their past and they still hold on to that and feel uncomfortable or ill at ease um, because of that. They can't free themselves from that anguish or that feeling of um, being ill at ease that comes from the past and it's a constant source of worry for them. Even though they know that it's not good to hold on to things in this way and to constantly be um, bringing up the past, and still the mind goes and attaches and it spins around and around, constantly thinking about this, bringing it up and going over, turning over it constantly. Other people may attach to anger that they have experienced before, And maybe they got angry at an instance, an instance that occurred 10 years ago, 20 years, 30 years ago, and they're still angry about it now. But they can't do anything about that. And the reason is because the mind isn't endowed with wisdom. It doesn't have the necessary level of discernment. And so then we go and attach to the past. But if we're able to perceive these events as not-self, as being just supposition or convention, that the self is really not-self, then we'll be able to put it down. We can see that any self that we attach to in the past, it arose and then it ceased. And the self that we have now in the present It has arisen and it's also ceasing here now in this present moment. And any future self that we may attach to will be the same as well. So therefore the Buddha had us look and contemplate to reflect on this. And an important object of reflection are these bodies. We can look at them in a subtle way or investigate in a very coarse way, whatever works. We can see that any body in the past or any form in the future, it's all not-self. So this is seeing, perceiving that the self is not-self. And when we see that the self is not-self, then we've come to understand the true self. The mind will be able to abandon and let go of attachments and will find an inner freedom that comes through wisdom, through knowing, through the seeing into the nature of conventions and thus experiencing the liberation of heart. So again, if we come back to the simile of the fruit, then samadhi, this collectedness of mind, it's like there being a sweetness to that fruit. And panya, wisdom, is having a fragrant scent to the fruit. At the beginning, we need to rely on a foundation of sila dhamma, of moral integrity. And this is necessary um, support for the training of the mind. In order to have this moral integrity, there also needs to be forbearance and endurance there as well. We take up the five precepts on a normal day. And it can be a good practice to uh, increase the number of precepts to the eight precepts on the lunar observance days as well, as a means for cultivating and developing our hearts. Even though we have greed, hatred and delusion still present and active in our minds, uh, we still have a sense of restraint there as well. Even though these defilements are there, if we are restrained, then they're not able to affect our minds in any way. When we have this moral integrity, it becomes a cause for coolness and inner peace and ease to arise, for there to be serenity and joy in our hearts. So we train our minds, we train in the cultivation of samadhi. And even though they may be stirred up um, and not much peace there at all, if we carry on with this training, then we'll slowly be able to calm our minds down. Even though there may be a lot of thinking, and the mind just goes on and on and on, thinking without stop, um, we can use different methods to try to alleviate that. And one method that we can try to do is to um, press our tongues very firmly against the roof of our mouth. Or we can stop our breath um, for a period of time as well. So we try this out. We really firmly press the tongue against the roof of our mouth. And um, the thoughts should lessen by doing this. And maybe they'll even come to a complete halt. And these are the practices that the Buddha himself used before his awakening. That he stopped his breath or he um, pressed his tongue against the roof, roof of his mouth. He practiced these austerities and these uh, means of uh, torturing his body. And in the end, he was able to find the middle way. He was able to even things out and find a sense of evenness in the mind as well. So for us, when we're practicing, we should try to not be too tight and not too loose in the practice, but to aim for the middle way, to be able to let go as we practice as well. Some people think um, their thoughts go a bit too far. When they're practicing and they wonder whether they're going to be able to attain to jhanas the states of absorption or how firm their mindfulness or their their samadhi will be and what level of samadhi they'll be able to attain to and whether that jhana will be enough for them to give rise to penetrating insight but really it's not necessary to think about any of these things what's most important is the establishment of our minds here in this present moment, knowing what's going on now and doing our best with what we have right here and now. So we take these minds and we train them. We try to cultivate and bring up a sense of peace. We develop and raise up the faith in our minds and so that it's very strong and has energy and we bring up effort as well whether we're feeling happy or sad we look into our minds and see that all of those emotions are not sure they're unstable we train ourselves like this and in the end one day we'll be able to see and know the Dharma for ourselves. And it's just like Lumpur Chah taught, that under the ground, there's water there. And all it takes is for us to dig and to carry on digging without stop. And one day we'll have to meet with that water. We'll have to reach uh, the water level And then we'll be able to put that water to use. We'll be able to drink it and uh, use it in various ways. And so if we carry on with this path of practice, walking along this path without stop, we have energy and effort there into abandoning unskillful states and cultivating skillful states, then one day we'll have to meet with the peace of our minds. We'll be able to see into the nature of our attachments and that all of these things are just suppositions that our minds have come up with. When we realize that, then the heart attains to freedom, vimuti, freedom from all of the aramanas, all of the sense impressions that we experience. So we bring up this sata, this faith, and effort in our practice, looking at our minds and keeping our mindfulness here in the present moment uh, with the foundations of mindfulness. So with the body, with the feelings, with the mind and Dhamma. We stay with the breath, reciting Buddha, or we can contemplate into the elements. And these are good initial practices to take up. But when our mind has gained more energy, then we'll be able to to have that strength, the inner strength, to contemplate further and look into the nature of Vedana, of feeling that's there in our bodies and minds. If our mindfulness is sufficient, then we'll know that Vedana is merely Vedana. And then, as our practice gathers strength, we'll be able to contemplate into the higher levels of the satipatthana. So, the mind and dhamma. But this is a more subtle level that does take more uh, subtleness and energy of the mind. We'll be able to see that the mind is merely the mind. That it's not sure that it doesn't last, it changes. That all the defilements, greed, hatred and delusion, uh, we'll know the mind, we'll know whether they're present in the mind and we'll know when they're absent from the mind as well and see that these defilements just arise and cease. We won't then attach to any of them. And even when wisdom arises, we'll see that wisdom It's just wisdom, it follows nature, and we won't attach to that as well. There will be a purity that uh, imbues the heart at that point, and a purity that comes from truth. When we investigate in a manner that allows us to see all things as being conventions, then we'll see into the emptiness of everything. So we need to try and reach this state to touch into the nature of emptiness. When we can do that, then we'll realize our inner nature of awakening, this inner Buddha that resides in our heart. And we'll see that this nature of awakening is there within all things as well. But this requires for us to really bring up, uh, to apply our wisdom and to investigate, investigate into the nature of emptiness um, so that we are able to let go. And using um, the recollection of emptiness and the reflection upon emptiness as a meditation object is suitable and appropriate for those who have a strong inclination towards wisdom. We'll see that nature is just this way. And it's only that we haven't been able to perceive that before because we've been so stuck in um, the realm of me and mine, of self. If we can separate our bodies out um, to a refined level, then we'll be able to see that they're just a collection of uh, protons, electrons, and neutrons. And then when we can separate even those out, then we'll see that there's no self there at all. There's nothing there. There's nothing left. It's all just empty. That all of the elements are inherently empty. In doing this, we then perceive into the true nature of all conditioned phenomena and we'll know the dhamma and have attained to the dhamma so everyone should really try and cultivate this way to be intent and sincere in um, the raising up of the heart and bringing our minds uh, in line with dhamma and truth so may all of you grow in blessings